Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. Bruh. New York strip steak? Ooh. This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? Dang! With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writer. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Welcome to the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic Podcast Show. That's not what it's called. Welcome, Jade, leave all this in. Welcome to the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. We've got Trevon Edwards. We've got Mike Smeltz. We've got Wazney Lambre. We've got Jade Hoy pushing buttons. And gentlemen, we've got games going on in the NBA, sort of as they are squeezing the hell out of this thing. And this is something that has really bothered me over the last few days, is you have the Philadelphia 76ers uh, barely able to field a team. You were going to have the, the Celtics barely able to field a, team, field a team on Sunday. And then all of a sudden, the Heat couldn't find eight guys to get into uniform, so they postponed the game. Just the second postpo- postponement of the NBA season. First one happened the second night with that Thunder Rockets game. And so I'm looking at all this stuff and they've got this cushion built out, right? They have this cushion of like, we don't even know what the second half of the season looks like because they're going to have all these games to make up. And ESPN comes out with a report on how the league is pushing ahead. And look, we're not going to pause the season. And I don't think you need to pause the season was, but what you need to do is stop forcing these teams to find eight guys they can throw into a damn uniform just to make sure you get these games in. You have the postponement option out there. Waz, why aren't they using this more? Um, I think because this is a it's, a, it's kind of a dummy season. Um, they started in December so that they could finish by July and get their normal schedule back, right? Like normal starting in October, ending in June schedule back. So this season was done. This is like the sacrificial lamb of a season, right? Like we're doing it this way in order for the future to be restored. And so <laughs> I think they feel like they have no choice but to but to smash these games through, get it out, fulfill their their financial obligations and, you know, sort of soldier on and they're doing it as best they can. I don't think they see it as something they can do like, all right, we can stretch out the season a month longer than we thought or a month and a half longer than we thought. I think they're dedicated to ending this thing in July so that they can have their normal start back next season. And I get that, but like Trey, like I get they have to be kind of judicious with what they choose to postpone and not postpone. But this Nuggets Sixers game from this weekend where like the Sixers are like, yeah, we're going to dress Mike Scott, but he's not actually going to play. So now we got eight so we can roll out there and we're just going to hope Tyrese Maxey can, you know, throw us a, a 40 piece and, and get through this. Like that's, this doesn't seem like the way to do this. Like this as much shit as at least I gave baseball and I gave, you know, both, both pro and college football. It feels like I, like I kind of owe it to the NBA here to give them shit over like, Look, we get it's about the money, and I get that it's about getting these games in, but you gotta look, you gotta postpone some of these things when it doesn't look right. Oh, Zach, it was very cringeworthy watching the Sixers run out of the run out of the tunnel. Oh my it god. It reminded me of one of those like those fill in guys that the paid actors that that may have joined a celebrity guy in one of the <laughs> sitcoms, and then they're just playing and it, you know, obviously. Dwight Howard's the most enthusiastic out of the group. So he's like pumping the, the fake crowd up and trying to get ready. And obviously, like Max, he had an amazing game. Good for him. But, you know, I think you need to lay it on the NBA just as, as we laid it on these other these other organizations. And in this particular situation, we kind of figured this would happen once you left the bubble. And yes, I understand that it was a huge attack to players' mental psyche being in the bubble and just, you know, 
how important it was to be around family. But do you trust family? Do you trust friends? Do you trust the players that you're next to to do what they're supposed to do? Every player is getting pulled for contact tracing. I watched a game where a player got pulled at halftime. Halftime. At halftime. Like he played. That means he has contacted with other players since then. You know what I mean? And then when we're in the press conference, asking the guys like, hey, you know, what was your reaction? And they're like, he got COVID. And the guy had to retract the question. You know, like this is this is amazing. So these are these are the times that we're in. Yes, we're going to try to push through and get through 72 games. Um, I think with what's going on right now, they have enough uh, legwork to set up a playoff bubble, which I think they should do if they want to continue this season. I don't I don't know how many players are going to be able to avoid COVID or any contact tracing during this time, especially if you're going to play all the way into July or June or whatever, how it's set up without, you know, missing some games. And I mean, the, the, the final standings are going to look pretty wild at the end of the day when you got your star players missing 14 days. Yeah, it, it will. And Mike, so I, one issue that I've I've really I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few days because it is really bothering me um, just the way the NBA is handling this. And look, I don't expect I'm not saying shut down the season. I'm not saying, uh, you know, we got to move the regular season to a bubble. Like I'm trying to be reasonable in this, but we did build that cushion, right? We built that cushion in order to postpone games and make them up between the first half of the season, and second half of the season. So you do have that to utilize. I'd feel like the NBA is not doing that this weekend as things really surge throughout the NBA, at least in terms of contact tracing and having to be very careful about this. And they are being careful, but at the same time, I feel like it's kind of disgusting and irresponsible to be treating these like health and safety protocol lists like it's a goddamn like sprained ankle. Right. Like, they, like that's my issue is like we're treating this like, hey, here's the injury report. Health and safety protocol. It's like, no, it's a pandemic. What are we doing? I guess I'll be the cold, calculated capitalist here and say this is the right thing for the NBA to do. Uh, it's the right thing for the NBA to do because, uh, frankly, most people don't really care about the beginning of the regular season. They're doing it at a time when the NFL have their NFL has their playoffs going on. And I'm just thinking long term, the NBA wants to jam in as many games as they can. That's not the health and safety protocol best recommendation, right? Just to jam in games because there is another element here. And I think Doc Rivers spoke to it. It's that he's playing these young guys 40 minutes a game. And if he's going to have to do that for you know the next week, these guys are going to be worn down, increases injury risk. I get all that, but you kind of have to keep the thing moving. And I only think the reason why they chose Miami and Boston to be postponed is because it was so egregious and they got so much heat. And maybe that's a good reaction, but you got to keep, unfortunately, you do have to keep the thing moving forward because what the NBA did, obviously, is by not setting a number, right? Like they didn't say, if five guys on his team are out for protocol, we're going to postpone a game. They did that on purpose because they want to play loose and fast with the rules here. And I kind of think that's the right thing. It's kind of like it's unfortunate. And frankly, it's borderline reckless at times. You got to keep the ball moving, moving forward to what the NBA cares about, which is the postseason. That's all the NBA cares about is getting to the playoffs and getting 10 teams in on each conference and having that little tournament at the beginning and then having, you know, LeBron go against KD in the finals. That's the only thing that they care. They don't care about, you know, Nuggets, Knicks, you know, right now here in January. I, but I think, Waz, I think you can do that, right? I think you can do what, what Mike's saying, but still not force like a random game here, a random game there to, to do it. Like I'm, it's gotten to the point where I was legitimately shocked when the Heat and Celtics were postponed. Like I was shocked. I was like, wow, they actually did it. And that should <laughs> I, be the reaction. I, I Look, man, I, I think the problem for the NBA, and I'm happy Mike brought up the point about capitalism, is that uh, we know you are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Waz, that was for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it, because the NBA is constantly dealing with a quote unquote image issue, I thought it was a mistake. I thought it was stupid. Quite frankly, sorry, Adam Silver, for him to come out and say, we're not going to skip the line for the vaccine. Like, why why do the NBA, as super rich people, 
have to pretend that rich people aren't going to get this vaccine first. Um, the fact that Adam Silver said, well, you know, because it's going to look bad if NBA players are skipping the line. Why? That's what all other rich people are going to do. <laughs> it's going to be pay for play. I don't understand why the NBA always has to pretend that they're somehow different from everybody else. They can't be human beings. They can't be naked capitalists like literally everybody else. The NFL would be applauded for getting right. their guys vaccinated first. They'd be like, they're getting those guys out there no matter what. They're getting them the vaccination. It's the NFL. That's our culture. Blah, blah, blah. I don't understand why thousands of Kimo vaccines going that. unused too, right? Right. Like that's the other thing. It's not like let's at least get these needles in somebody. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so if, it, if it's a league skipping the line, whatever. Yeah. But like, let's not let these go to waste. And, and like the, the, the question, exactly. The question of who gets what first, I think, is immaterial. I think it's about. Let's get as many people vaccinated as possible. I just thought it was just stupid. I don't understand why Adam Silver would say that. I don't understand that. I don't understand I that. I mean, it's image. It is image, right? Like, I mean, I that's that's the other thing is, is I, I feel like the NBA is so worried about that image, which I get. Like, And don't get me wrong. I think it's the best league. Like, I'm in on that whole thing. I, you know, I'm not going to hashtag this league it all the time, but like, I do think it's... <laughs> far beyond what baseball and what football do just in terms of their consciousness towards, you know, society and their role and influence and all that stuff. Now, I don't think they do a a great job of it, but I think they're the most aware of it and the most conscious of it while still operating within like, this is a billion dollar business, right? Like, so I, I think there's a balance there. They try to find, I think they come short of it, but I think they do the best job of, of finding that balance, but it's this faux like proactivity, Right. Like they want to be the ones that are, oh, we're so proactive and all this stuff. But you're not. You're like you were reactive to the pandemic in the first place. Now, you were the first to be reactive. So I guess technically that's being proactive in some some case. But like if you really want to show you're proactive, like get it, like do it. Yeah. And I, right. And, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to be naive here. Like, I again, I'm not expecting them to shut it down. I'm not expecting them to cure the coronavirus. I'm not expecting any of that shit. But like don't force a team to like cobble together eight guys. Well, that's the thing that bothers. Also, me. if you're going to do this, if you're going to have teams put out eight, like only have a roster of eight guys. So there's a flaw in that to begin with. Like, so if you look at what the NFL did, they had like expanded practice squads and they had guys that were protected each week on the practice squad. And they bring, they'd bring up like 10 people off the practice squad right. every week. The NBA, there's no G league right now, right? Like we're, there's going to be a G league bubble. I mean, they really should have just expanded the rosters and had it so you had like a pool of five guys hanging out, isolated in their apartments, just waiting for the call to be risen out of their apartment and to come fly to a game and, you know, to be able to play like 15 minutes per game. You know, I mean, like that if they're going to do this, if they're going to risk everything and just allow eight guys on each side to play against each other while the other half of the team are isolating in their hotel rooms, you should have also then expanded out and had those that G League roster more even more expanded and given it, you know, Jeremy Lin should be playing in the NBA right now. Right. Like, why? Why are we waiting for it? You know, so I just think there I think they should be Mike, pressing I was on. Just thinking that what's the point of a G League <laughs> if we can't turn them into sacrificial lambs? I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly my well, point. I, was. Thanks. Yeah. Mar- well, Mark Stein had mentioned this um, hours ago uh, as we're recording this. Uh, it said he had tweeted out there were calls before the season to institute 19 man rosters this season with four two way contracts rather than two. Uh, the measure looks like it would have been increasingly useful because the NBA's eight players in uniform minimum was not designed for a season amid a pandemic. Now they did expand that to where like all 15 guys on the active roster are available, right? Didn't they do it? Or, or was that something that got shot down? I could have sworn they like extended that from, they definitely had it in the bubble guys, do you have- for sure. To have 15 yeah. guys, right? And so maybe that didn't carry over, but, um, but yeah, that like that seem, seems like we could move the 10 day contract up a little bit, maybe in all this stuff. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, Trey, <laughs> in terms of players having enough resources to, to be out in like, and again, like they're not all, they don't all have coronavirus, and that's why they're sitting out, right? It's just like the contact tracing, they are taking that very seriously. But I feel like you got to take other things just as seriously in order to make sure that you have a full complement of players. 
Jones. Yes, absolutely. I think it's bigger than the player's responsibility at this point. I mean, I don't think anybody's ahead of this. I don't think there's any technology. Right. I don't think anything because Bradley Bill and Jason Tatum gave each other a hug at a game. <laughs> you think like, okay, I'm clear to play <laughs> and things are fine. And yeah, now I got to sit out. You know what I mean? Like it's not even strategically tactical to even say, all right, I'm going to get this guy up out of the game. No one, no one's safe. And in this particular situation, every guy could test fine. They go back home, they go to sleep, whatever. I don't even know what this thing is now anymore to this point. I don't know right. how you can get it. I don't know if you, you breathe the air, whatever. You know what I mean? Every time, you just got to have your fingers crossed and hope that you're cleared. It's almost like Pop Warner football making weight. <laughs> like, <laughs> like in order to be able to play you got to be a certain amount of you know amount of right. pounds to play this age group and it's the same thing with basketball it's like you got to hope that by the time whether the start of the game or halftime you aren't the person that's going to get pulled yeah that's the wild thing too right that's the the seemingly extreme example so far of Jonas Valanciunas getting pulled at halftime due to contact tracing Right. Like he's played 14 minutes. The Seth Curry one where he was on the bench, but hadn't obviously, I think he was dealing with an ankle injury or something like that. But he's on the bench after the first quarter, like, yo, you got to go. Like, you got isolation right now. Right. And at that point, I'm like, so clearly everyone's exposed to it at this point, whether they got it or not. Like, clearly everyone is exposed. So that's an issue. And then, and then the, the Valentinus one where it's just contact tracing, it's like, okay, this is, like, he played a half of basketball, guys. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like he played a half of basketball. And so Baxter Holmes, I think of ESPN uh, had a great article about essentially the, the protocol and the health and safety guidelines that were brought in. It's, it is a very thorough document, right? It's very thorough in terms of the things they're trying to do and like the conditions and procedure and all this stuff, but they didn't just like hire new people to do this stuff. Right. Like there's not just like, all right, we're going to go get people to take care of this, this and this. Like they just kind of said like, well, this equipment guy's going to have to do these extra things. And this guy's going to have to do these extra things. And this person's going to have to add this to the plate. And so you have people uh, like Trey, you mentioned it's not it's not necessarily on the players right now. And I agree because you have these people in charge of enforcing and following this protocol and these procedures for sterilization and wiping down and all this stuff. And they're just overworked, right? Like they're, they're overworked. And so then like, I think lapses can happen and just lapses in general was like, this shit is everywhere. Like in LA right now, I think it's one in five people who test are positive, which is insane. That's a lot of people. And so like, you have these people who are supposed to follow these procedures and, and do these protocols, but they didn't expand like the workforce to do it. It's just like, yo, this guy, why don't you cut some film and then make sure we're all wiped down. Like that doesn't seem like the right way to, yeah, to handle all this. I, I just think the NBA and the players, and I think it's important that we recognize that the players also agreed to play. Like they had yes, a choice. Absolutely. They both decided, both the league's partners, the owners, and the players decided that the pandemic stuff would always come secondary to handling the paper. And, you know, when they start, when they went to the bubble, I remember saying on this show, I was like, look, people got to understand the entire point of the NBA is to make money. <laughs> the only yes. reason that this league exists is because they make money. That's the purpose of the league. So money will always come first. Not that these guys don't love the game and wouldn't, you know, be somewhere playing a ball anyway. It's not the same thing, but the point of the NBA's partnership with the NBA Players Association is that they get money and they decided they were going to put money above everything. And that's what businesses do. That's what every single freaking business has done throughout the pandemic. Right. So, you know, I, I can't fault the NBA for being what it was designed to be, which is a money making operation first and foremost and always. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and I'm not naive to that fact, right? Like, I, 
like it is about getting the money and it's about working the money in. And that's what baseball did. And it worked. That's what the NFL did. And it's about to work. And that's what college football did. And it was a disaster. And yet it still worked. Right. Cause we've got this national championship game coming up and that's all they wanted to work towards is to get that money. Um, yeah, I guess I just, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that the players decide to play. I also look at this and look, I don't want to, I don't want to get grim and I don't, or anything, but like, I just have, there's this quote from, from Jack, Jackie McMullen years ago where Larry Bird had talked about like how guys his size don't typically live past 75, right? And he's very aware of that fact. You have a lot of large people here and we all just say, oh, they're athletes, they're athletes, they're going to be fine, they're in top shape. And that's probably true for now, except you have all these cases of like people over a certain height don't live to a certain age because it's too hard on their heart. Well, this illness right now, by the way, seems to have some issues towards your heart at some point. Right. And so like, look, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to be some, some warrior for players or anything. Like they get to make their own decisions and all that, Mike. But like, I just look at all this stuff. I'm like, the consequences of all this shit could be grave yeah. in a few years. And I'm like su- really bad. And that's, what's in the back of my head with all this stuff. And that's why I'm surprised there weren't like, we didn't see any opt outs this year. If I'm not, if not mistaken, like there, everyone was in. And as Waz was saying, this was players. This was the league. <laughs> Obviously, the owners. The owners are happy that the players are playing. You know, they're not risking themselves. They're all in French Polynesia and hanging out on yachts right now, so they're all satisfied. But it's it is uh, kind of dramatic. But I think we do need to keep in perspective that. So you talk about the injury report, and it's littered with people being out because of the COVID protocols. Yes, that is that's stupid to me. It's such a bad way of characterizing these things. But it at least at least they are. I think they're almost being they're going too far, right? So you talk about the Tatum Beal hug. Right. I think if we brought in Anthony Fauci, Tony Fauci, in here, and he would he would tell us that that hug is probably there's a point zero 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 one percent chance that there was a transmission between that hug. But that hug is creating a ripple effect across the NBA right now. And so I just the league, while it is reckless in just making you know teams play with a few number of players, it is also being overly cautious, maybe in the way that they're treating this whole situation. I think if we could trace it all back, the biggest problem is that the league and the partly the players, but most of the league kept playing around with when they were going to start the season. And then suddenly it was decided they're starting the season on December 22nd, and it didn't give teams nearly enough time to consider how they should properly and safely go about the season. And so it's left them like if you watch the NFL and hard knocks, you know, like you had these teams setting up like tables out in the middle of a parking lot. So no one was within six feet of each other. And in the NBA, it's obvious. It's obvious they're not doing those things. They're not like isolating the players and each of them having film sessions in their each individual pods. So I think it's like crazy where like the league is overly cautious, but it's overly reckless and it's, it is a mess, but again, I support it because uh, you got to move forward. You got to get to the playoffs. That's what you, you just, they just have to do that. And that's, as Waz said, you, this is the throwaway season. Unfortunately, you kind of are throwing away the regular season to get to this point to where they hopefully LeBron is playing KD in the finals. Whoa. Wow. That didn't seem self-serving at all. That's <laughs> from the Nets guy. Um, all right. <laughs> All right, now to something less soapboxy for me and more hopeful for everyone. Rookies. Oh, we love rookies, right? They're so exciting. They're so they're so fun. They make fun mistakes. They make fun highlights. They do it all. And so I wanted to go over some of the early impressions of rookies. And I think the thing that stuck out from this weekend the most was not quite the LaMelo Ball triple-double, but Anthony Edwards making a mistake. And I actually thought it was a good mistake. It was a good teaching moment. And so for those who didn't know... Uh, the, the wolves were down three. Uh, well, they're always down, but they were down three to the Spurs on Saturday night. Is that right? Saturday, Friday night, one sometime this weekend. And, uh, and so they get the ball up the floor. They're in transition. Anthony Edwards gets it. He drives to the hoop. He's got either a dunk or a layup there. Um, with about seven seconds less, he decides to try to kick it out to a shooter to go for the tie. The wolves did have a timeout. Pass gets knocked away, gets intercepted, and uh, and it's a losing losing play, a losing moment. But then Ricky Rubio comes over, starts trying to explain to him, hey, in this situation, we've got this, this, this. And Anthony Edwards' body language was phenomenal, right? He's 
He's taking it in. He's doing all that. And he's actually, for the most part, I think been pretty solid so far this season. Um, I mean, maybe you want more out of the number one pick than pretty solid, but on that team, I think you'll take it. Uh, Trey, what have you seen from Anthony Edwards so far this season that you like, don't like, whatever? Oh, man, I love his aggression, man. He's willing to learn. Um, his, you know, I mean, his character, you can go down the line. He's everything that you really want in the number one pick. And also you expressed about how Rubio went over and explained a, t- a teachable moment. He took time to listen and learn about it. Yes, on that play, they needed three. He got too deep, tried to make a pass. I see veteran players make that play still to this day. So it's nothing to get you know up in arms about. And he's going to continue to learn and become a better basketball player. He's averaging about 15 points a game. You know, and it's, you know, right now, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they don't have their full team. They're going to all go through some growing pains until they, you know, are all together and being able to put some some good games together. But I wouldn't I wouldn't complain about this situation. I mean, I think that basketball is in a good hands. You know, what I mean, whether you're talking about LaMelo Ball, Wiseman, et cetera, like these guys, you know, they didn't get a summer league. They're learning on the fly. So, you know, if you're a fan of these players in that market, just be patient. You mentioned uh, LaMelo, and and so LaMelo almost got a triple-double the other night, and then he gets a triple-double this weekend. And I saw some people saying, like, oh, he's hunting the triple-double, or, oh, that last pass shouldn't have been an assist or whatever. (laughs) And here's what I think. Like, all right, let's say any of that's true, right? Let's just say for argument's sake that stuff's true. He was hunting a triple-double, and the last one shouldn't have been an assist, or one of them shouldn't have been an assist or whatever. Here's my thing. It's the Hornets, man. Give them something to root for. Right. right. <laughs> like he's fun. He's good. He's playing well. He's playing hard. It was. Let's have some fun. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Um, I can't remember the last time the Hornets had a player who was this obviously dynamic, you know, in his potential and what he already possesses. Right. And so I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you know, the Rook shouldn't have been hunting a triple-double. But this is supposed to be fun, man. Guys are supposed to be trying to chase stuff. He should be trying to make goals for himself. Like, as opposed to what? God knows the Hornets are a terrible team. They're not going to the playoffs. What are they really playing for besides this guy's individual growth and maturity as a player, right? Like, as a player. Um, I think people will talk about, you know, mentality and 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 that's not what a vet would do and blah, 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 and whatever, you know. But as a player, like, <laughs> he's supposed to be getting better and he's chasing stuff. And I like that, man. And I'm happy for the Hornets and their fan base because, again, like, you know, I, I remember when they drafted Michael Kidd Gilchrist uh, number two overall, you know. And let's face it, that didn't pan out for them. You know, and so I'm happy that LaMelo Ball has looked as good as he has early. Also because, Zach, me and you were very early on the LaMelo train. <laughs> we were, man. We were. Not to, not to toot on horns here, but... Uh, and so I'm happy about that, This is too. a pro LaMelo Ball podcast right here. Uh, what do you guys like? Do you guys like LaMelo? Are you in? Are you out? Yeah, I mean, my thing. Oh, I'm all in. Yeah, all in. I mean, he's so much. I mean, as he, he's the most fun rookie by far. And I, why? How does that not matter? Like, how does that not matter for an NBA team? I mean, it's all about like actually enjoying people play basketball, and he is that. I do think that team is so. I mean, not that like go down a, a Hornets uh, hole right here. Uh, it's very weird to see him with like Gordon Hayward and Rozier. And it's just like a, it's an odd mix of guys. It's not like a bad team at all. I almost feel like seeing LaMelo ball play. I'm already so sold that it's like, eh, you don't really, you didn't really need to pay all that money to Gordon Hayward. Like you should have just like, it should have just been LaMelo's team early on, lose a bunch of games, but like give him like the full reign to it. Um, but he, I mean, and the funny thing is, is that everyone loves to complain about his shooting. But his shooting numbers are like fine. 36% from three, 44% from the field, 72% from the free throw lines. Like that's like that. If he is that right now, that's like totally acceptable. Plus you get the Twitter pass of the week every time. So I mean, it's just a, <laughs> just a good time with a mellow ball. Yeah. I, I like, I mean, you know me, I, lo- I love a flashy highlight tray. And so I, the passing's incredible, but he's just, um, I don't know. He had a fun comment the other night after the triple double where they, 
they asked her like, Hey, you're only like 180 pounds, but you're rebounding. And he's like, where does that come from? He's like, I played a lot of 21 as a kid. Right. Like he's just like, <laughs> he's true. very much a kid. It's but he's fun And it's just so honest. I love it. It's, it's true. You don't get to choose weight size in 21. You either gonna play with three guys, or you are gonna play with fourteen. And then yeah. Chino Hills, hey, I'm sure he got a chance Those are the, to bang the with only the runs he could get in Chino Hills. Trey was with his family, <laughs> you know. So, you know, uh, Lamelo is one of those guys that has to look over his shoulder every time he ate dinner every night because he didn't never know if he's gonna get a meal. But uh, I'm happy for his success. You know, what I mean, our good friend Jay King, he's not on today, but uh, I would love for him to heel turn and, and join the Lamelo Ball Club. Um, and I thought it was interesting in the ball bowl Friday, you know, LaMelo's doing what, what, what everyone wanted Lonzo to do, but also Lonzo is a different player and less aggressive. He's more pass first and LaMelo likes to shoot and you know, those things, even if it's bad misses, he frees up because the defense has to actually respect that. And that makes passing easier. And he also likes to rebound the ball. So this kid's going to be able to, you know, get more triple doubles than expected. So that that's the plan. I'm I'm really a huge fan of him. Um, I'm ready for uh, Charlotte to pass the keys and let him work. Yeah. Um, but you know, in in due time, we'll see. So was um one of our guys in Charlotte, Devonte Graham, right? Who we could not believe how bad he was as a rookie, and then last <laughs> year he was phenomenal. phenomenal. And if I gave uh, as as a I'm lucky enough to be a voter for the awards. I don't consider second year guys for most improved. I think it's dumb to consider them. So he didn't get my vote, but if he had been eligible in my mind, like he would have obviously been in that top three because he was so improved from a guy who didn't look like he was an NBA player to a guy who was pretty, pretty fun and pretty good last year. And now this year was he's shooting 26% from the field, 26.9% from the field. Like he's been abysmal and they're bringing LaMelo off the bench for him. And I just, I got to think like, yo, there's got to be a certain point. And I'm all for, <laughs> I'm all for rookies, rookies having minutes. to earn minutes, yeah. even, even earning minutes over bad players. Right. right. Like I'm, I'm a, like, if you can't prove that you're better than that dude, then you shouldn't get those minutes. I'm, I'm good on that, but I feel like he's proven he's better than Devontae Graham. I don't want to shit on Devontae Graham here, but man, it's, it's ugly right now. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause man, I remember watching a random Charlotte game, Devontae Graham's rookie year, and texting you guys like, this yeah. kid is not an NBA player. Like, he can't dribble the ball up the court, much less make a shot or do anything. And it was like, you know, whatever, he's a rookie, like, he's learning or whatever. So I had it in my mind that he was one of the worst players in the NBA, mm-hmm. like rotational guys. And then last year, as you mentioned, he has a most improved player-worthy type of season. And it's like, okay, this guy's going to be, you know, an above average NBA guard, not an all-star, barely a starter, but above average, which is damn good, especially for where he was drafted yeah. at. This year, he's turned into a pumpkin. I, I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. And again, like with the haphazard way that we already mentioned at length, the, the way the season came back and, you know. Were guys training for the season before it started? <laughs> were they still in the Bahamas when word got it? Like, it's the nature of the season is pretty ridiculous. So I yeah. want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, but my goodness, he's been horrible. He's made 29% of his shots within three feet of the rim. Yeesh. <laughs> Yeesh. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Is that good? Now oh, I'm gonna look at what he is. is. That's, it's historically not great, not great as a percentage. Okay. Uh, let me. <laughs> man, now I just feel like we're shitting on him. I don't want to do that, <laughs> but I do have to look up how many, like what, just what his percentage is on layups. Um, hey, I still got faith in Devontae. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I'm one of Devontae truthers here. Nah, I mean, like I said again, I'm I'm not counting him out. Mm. He's um I don't know man this is not great scared scared of the Lamelo ball factor man that's what it is is that what it, yeah maybe they you know Lamelo knocking Pressure. on the door so uh on layups he's five of nineteen on layups well he's got a twenty six he's got room for improvement you know so there's like a yeah. there's a place to go up so that's good damn man that's <laughs> that's rough that is rough so far uh not rough. That other guy, the number two pick, James Wiseman. Mm. He, this all right. So 
was on the uh, on the restricted area, which uh, which you can find on uh, yes, sir. The YouTube, YouTube channel. Subscribe, become part week, of the notification Thursday. gang. Yes, sir. Become part of that notification gang. Um, uh, we mentioned a couple weeks ago, just like the training videos, right? Of like a bunch yes. of guys, and we were talking about this and joking about how, like, all right, James Wiseman, they got all these videos of him like dribbling and stuff. It's like, man, you're not gonna do, just go rebound and <laughs> catch a dunk right. and do that, right? Like, just do that. But he is showing showing some skill. And look, this Warriors team one week looks like an embarrassment Yo, to Steph's ridiculous. legacy, and the next week, like, yo, this team is actually pretty good. Now that Draymond's back, and now the Steph's going nuts. So Wiseman, like, Waz, how do you feel Wiseman fits into all this? Because he's like 11.6 rebounds a game right now. He's only playing about 20 minutes a game. Um, he's shooting okay, shooting well from three. He's not shooting great uh, on two-pointers, but he's good. Like, he's good enough. Like, what do you think of Wiseman so far? Well, you know, I picked him to be rookie of the year just because the nature of Steph's bigs, like you you get open looks because Steph is so freaking good and he's so willing to give it up when it's there. And I, I like, I like, I love, he's already got this like sort of um, mind meld telepathic synergy with Draymond where Draymond is coming off of the pick and roll off of the catch and sending him lobs. Um, him and Steph are already developing a decent little chemistry in the pick and roll. I would love to see his minute uptick go closer to 30. I, I get that Looney's a better player than him, clearly, right now. But, you know, I, I'd love to see that minute uptick go up. And I think some of that is conditioning questions and, and other concerns. But I, I love, 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 love how he's, he's looked. He plays hard. Which I know people are going to hear this and it's going to be like, what the, the guy gets played, paid to play basketball. He should be playing hard. That's not a given, <laughs> especially for big guys, right? So I love his motor, his feel. He just looks good to me, man. Like, um, if you're a Warriors fan, you should be very excited about what he's shown early on. Yeah, and I think with so many of these guys, like, because we didn't get, I mean, Wiseman played, what, two games in college? And Edwards played for Georgia, who sucked. And we we didn't have a tournament. It's like the tournaments where you fall in love with draft prospects if you're an NBA guy because you don't really watch college basketball all that much. But like Edwards looks like even more than like your average NBA player in terms of size. Wiseman yep. is a freak physically. And LaMelo Ball, I mean, like the, obviously he's 6'8", 180 as we we're talking about. But like all these guys are like like – the surprising thing to me is we heard so much about how this draft was horrible, but then you see these guys on the floor, guys that we haven't seen play basketball in almost a year. And you're like, I don't know. I mean, these, they look like NBA players, even if maybe they're not shooting that well right now, or there's some rustiness or like, obviously they're rookies and they're 19 year olds. And you know, they don't have everything together in the moment, but like both Edwards and Wiseman. And even if you want to throw in LaMelo again, like they all look like kind of, physical freaks for the positions that they're all supposed to be playing. And I mean, you know, it's early, you know, we don't want to go crazy, but this draft is way better. You can even go down the list with like Halliburton. I like Denny Avdia, you know, Denny Avdia with the Wizards has been uh, a little frisky. Uh, There's like guys in this draft who are definitely already more exciting than sort of like the pre-draft What's the opposite of hype? I don't know. Like the pre-draft thuds. Uh, Anthony Bennett. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Anthony Bennett, right? And that the was the pre-draft fear. wet blankets. The wet blankets, right? <laughs> it, it, everyone was afraid that Anthony Edwards would be like Anthony Bennett. And he's not. Like already we can, I think we can say that he's not going to be Anthony Bennett. This isn't like Anthony Bennett, Otto Porter, like racking up in your draft right now. Right. It, yeah. Trey, it, with Wiseman... Do you because I never think rookies are going to make an impact in their first year, right? And when it happens, I'm like, okay, cool, like that, but that's not the norm. Like, do you think Wiseman is going to be a, a growing, important person on this Warriors team this season, or is most of his damage going to be done in the future? I think he's going to learn a lot. Um, I do think that he has a huge upside and can be better than any Warriors big that they've had in the previous years. Like, again, this. The front court has never been a strong point for them. You know what I mean? They've had guys like, you know, Kavon Looney, 
Jordan Bell. So I definitely think that he can be one of the best front court guys they've had in the past five years. So um, with the tutelage of Draymond Green, if he takes time to learn, he's already, you know, learning how to slip and make passes and make the right plays. He just needs to figure it out. And again, I think by the middle of the season, they'll be able to do something. I mean, Andrew Wiggins figured it out a little bit. Kelly Oubre is still throwing up bricks. And Steph Curry is going to have to, you know, play like a madman to sometimes win some of these ball games. But I got high hopes on Wiseman right now. I think that he is very capable of doing what he's supposed to do. Who's the to to what Mike brought up? Who's the next best rookie? Right? Because I think these three are the best. But is it is it Halliburton? Is it not? You know, Hayden you Pritchard. The words right Celtics. out of my mouth. Hayden Pritchard. Halliburton. Because. Wait, hold on, Waz. What about Peyton Pritchard? Peyton Pritchard, oh, man. Oh, my God. I, I, I'm, about baby. I'm logging off this podcast. I'm not doing He's the that. best, man. He's the I'm best. How excited must Boston fans be for edge? Peyton I Pritchard? I can't. Oh, my God. He's a walking hard hat. Oh, so gritty. He's tough. He's the human embodiment of a steel-toe boot. Yeah. It's ridiculous, man. <laughs> that game winner the other night. Out. I had I had I was like, I'm off he's, the internet. I can't he's making it. Tyler Hansbrough. He's making he's making Hansbrough proud, bro. Cycle T, bro. Oh, he's from the factory of Cycle T. <laughs> he's pretty good though. I'm not gonna lie. I mean he's I mean he's fine. Yeah, he's, he's fine. Like he's he's one of the I, best I Danny know, Ainge draft picks in in recent times that is wasn't in the top five. I mean Yeah, unfortunately which isn't much, much to say. Considering this, yeah. yeah. But he's pretty uh, good. I mean, yeah, it's Halliburton. If we're going to go with that pick, though, if we're saying like who – I mean, there's like a bunch of guys, though. Like Halliburton's the pick, but Avdia's good. Tyrese Maxey has something to him. Like there's like a um, – quickly, if like Knicks fans, if we don't mention Emmanuel yeah, quickly, quick, we're yeah, all going to get quickly. yelled at. Um, right. No, quickly can play. He's good. There's some like – there's some definitely like – there's like a – let's say like 10 guys in this draft who are either the top tier or like are definite already – seeming to be NBA players on a real level already. Peyton Pritchard. I mean, he's number one. He's the best player in the NBA. I, I would go Halliburton, um, but there's something about Halliburton. He where, like, he's his... the best player in the NBA. Basically. <laughs> per, per minute was, if you break down per oh minute, my he's God, the best. Dude. You know what's funny? So I, do, you guys know, do you guys know about the time where um, this is a long, obviously back in like the 50s or 60s or something like that, but uh, Bob Cousy got hurt. Okay, Bob Cousy missed like twelve games. Are we really and, talking about Bob Cousy in the context? Wait, hold on, hold I remember this. this. Yeah, exactly. this I remember gonna this. Be, exactly. We're going to have a Peyton Pritchard <laughs> moment here. Uh, Bob Cousy missed like twelve games, and when he came back from injury, uh, he comes back. He's making back his debut, and all like the sports pundits in Boston are like, "Yeah, oh my god, thank God, thank God, Cousy's back!" Like, the, you know, now he can help lead this team to a championship. So, like, thank God, like the Celtics were desperate without him. I think the Celtics went something like eleven and one in those twelve games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it turns out it pays to have one of the five best players ever on yeah, your team. Funny how, the, funny how that works. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but with um, with Halliburton, I know he's good. I I think he's the the best rookie after those top three. Um, but his jumper looks it's so looks weird. So, it's but hard it's going to in, get though. on board. I know it's going, he's hit like 50% of his I threes. I love that kid. <laughs> I love that kid. He cannot do anything wrong, man, to me right now. Thing is a I picked him as my, Trey. It is. Look, I, pick, I picked him as a rookie of the year, and I, I might have been drunk on that situation. <laughs> but at the end of the day, man, he makes it. You know, it, the hot takes keep flowing in Sacramento. You know, they've offered up <laughs> yeah, Bagley. They've offered up the oh, we on, we on Buddy Hill trade watch ASAP. Basically, after the Yo, first week of, week of the season, it was Buddy Hill trade so watch mad. because it's like this kid is just, they just, it just makes more sense. Listen, this kid knocks down and three stairs down the bench. Like, you just can't teach that, bro. Like, he can play. He doesn't yeah. look like much. You know what I'm saying? You know, ever since the Kente cloth stuff went out, like I'm <laughs> sure players been talking greasy on the on the on the court, but he been hoping. Uh Halliburton could go. Yeah, the jumper it, it looks very Matt Bonner esque, but also he's hitting it like like Matt Bonner hit jumpers, right? Like it's ugly, but it's going. Um, he had great comments about the. That's all that it matters, Zach. As yeah, long as it falls, yeah. I don't hey, care what it looked like pretty, coming off that hand. Take it. Um, I think, yeah, he had good comments about like what had happened in the Capitol building. Like, kids just like, he's way too, 
responsible for 20 years old. Yeah, digging up Tommy, what's her name? Tommy Lauren, old tweets. He was like retweeting old ones and oh, yeah. going back <laughs> at her. And I was like, that's my kind of 20-year-old, you know, yeah. like digging into Actually, it already. You know He's already got my rookie of the year vote. I'm just pencil man right now. <laughs> I'm with Trey. Trey, you weren't drunk. That was great. Um, before we go, we do have a couple of big injuries um, with with guys missing significant time. Uh, Thomas Bryant was mm. one of the few good things about the Wizards so far this year as they put up another historically bad defense. Um, you know, obviously. Kate Bradley, Cunningham season. Uh, yeah, Kate Cunningham season. I mean, obviously, Bradley Beal has been unbelievable, scoring 101 points in the last two games. Um, but Thomas Bryant being out for the season with ACL tear like that sucks man that i think i like him i think he's good and i wanted to see more of him next to bradley beal yeah and he was like and what was good about him was it next to bradley beal he works next to whatever russell westbrook is now does work i mean because he's a big who can shoot threes and he was providing a little bit of that interesting offensive game like the rest of the wizards he's horrible on defense which is fine not horrible he's like just like not good uh at defense but it's I don't do I don't know if we want to walk down this road. Um the Wizards are two and eight and Bradley Beals is doing everything and Westbrook looks bad and Thomas Bryan is probably the Wizards like third or fourth best player. It's not looking exciting or good in DC. Uh-oh. If we're just if we're on like Uh-oh. if we're on like NBA trade watch, don't do it, I don't know if there's like don't do it, I don't know if there's like a whoosh sound or something, NBA trade watch. Uh Bradley Beal, I don't know. I'm just, if, does he want to be on the worst team in the NBA? I don't think he does. So wow. that's what he's on right now. Besides, wow. well, the Thunder just beat the Nets, so he is on the worst team in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the the Wolves are still very much alive. Please oh, respect so their, their resume right apologies. now. Um, yeah. Uh, ooh, Bradley Beal on the trade block. I'm just you saying. Know, putting himself on the trade block. I'm, I don't hate this Free conversation. Bray. Free KD like too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get them both. God, get them both darn, the new teams. man. Um, and then and then Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, fractured his knee. Right. Yeah. That happened Saturday. He fractured his knee. And so do we? Do we have a time frame on when he's on how long he's out? Like I know I, I, that's a pretty serious injury. I haven't seen anything. I mean, it's typically when you fracture your knee, it doesn't you're not back like soon, right? Like that, yeah. and that's bad for the Hawks because I mean obviously the athletic has done some reporting on kind of already there's uneasy feelings amongst John Collins and Trey Young already and then you lose a talented player like Bogdan Bogdanovich it's it's and they're, they're kind of speaking of turnarounds in like a week or so like they've gone the opposite way right they've turned around towards being the Hawks of old like they've looked pretty bad the last week or so right um, you mentioned the, the reporting from uh, from Sam Amick and Chris Kirshner of of the Athletic. Like, and it seems like 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 Collins and and Trey are good. Like, in terms of like liking each other, it's just John <laughs> Collins is like, hey, this offense not moving the way it needs to be, right? When Trey's got the ball and calling out, but some is stuff John in the film Collins session. not to cut you off, Zach? Is John yeah. Collins? Able to make that type of call. Well, you know what? Trey, Trey, the thing I, is I was John thinking Collins the exact to get a same deal. thing. He's trying to get a max right. deal. He turned down a lot of money. Right. For but the listen, Hawks. he turned down four year, ninety million to be exact, yeah, something did. like that. Bro, you get one compliment from KD. KD said it in the presser. John Collins is one of the best slip bigs in the league, and it went to his head. You can't be in film session calling out number eleven. Leave number eleven alone. That's a starter in the All Star game. First of all, you Trey, not also, him. If, yeah, also if, Trey, Trey Young is like one of the best pick and roll players in the league this year. <laughs> so can it be that bad <laughs> with the balls in his hands? <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. I, I saw those freaking comments, and you know, full disclosure, I'm I'm in the tank for Trey Young. I love Trey Young. I love watching him play. Oh, he's amazing. I, yeah. I, I just think he's phenomenal for our league. I I, I love Trey Young. So I read those comments and I'm like, Trey Young should give him what he wants. Go ahead, go do it yourself, John Collins. Well, he did and go that. piss Waz, away one hundred million dollars. Was he? He shot nine times in the game. Trey pulled the game seven Kobe yeah, trip. I'm like, okay, give it to him. Right, go you ahead. Guys, this is all you. Go ahead, you the leader. Let's follow the leader, yeah. John freaking right. Collins. 
I have the who's list. Who's done exactly dick in this league? <laughs> Come on. Hold on. He's, he's good. He's the best slip big in the NBA. He, what's on. he done, though? <laughs> Mike? What has Trey Young done, <laughs> technically, if we're going to go there? You know, what is Trey Young? Trey Young team. is an all-star on a team yeah. that played basically seven guys who didn't deserve to have <laughs> NBA minutes last year. One of them, John Collins. One of them, John Collins, yeah. <laughs> Hold on, real quick. There are 25 players in the league this year with at least 100 possessions as a pick-and-roll player, uh, initiating the pick-and-roll. Only Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Steph Curry are more productive and have higher efficiency than Trey Young. Pretty good players. That's not a bad list to be be a part of. Yeah, I think I'm I'm with Trey Young on this one. You guys go ahead. Go ahead. Do it yourself, John Collins. <laughs> Although nah, he not going he not gonna pull no Kobe, bro. He, he not did. gonna he do it. He took nine shots, Dre. He took nine shots <sighs> in the next game. Man, I just don't think this keeps up. I just don't. I mean, it's one thing to be petty, but Lloyd Pierce gotta step in. Yeah. I he he gotta fine. step in. I know teams are calling about John Collins. But some some gotta give. It, it's too much. It's too much chip on the dip right now for him. He got he gotta relax. <laughs> he gotta relax, man. It's, it's just what, what what Drake say was bench players talking like starters. I hate it. Like if he's somewhere else, bro, he might not get that much love. So be grateful the situation y'all weak as y'all are, because it might not. You know the grass is always greener. This reminds me of Steph and KG, bro. And when Steph went out. To go and do his own thing, he did a little thing, you know, twenty and eight, but it didn't work. He out never, he, it didn't work out long term. Just, mm-hmm. just, just, just make it work, bro. Quit playing with yourself. Well, now that Trey brought up the most traumatic basketball thing in mm-hmm. my childhood, I think it's time to just go uh, end the podcast and cry somewhere. I missed the idea of KG and Steph for de- for a decade. The real Steph. What could have been? Wow! Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> where's that? Where's that Steph from? Where's that Steph from? Was Brooklyn. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> make sure you check out all the podcasts on the Athletic Podcast Network. Of course, No Dunks. Maybe a special guest on Tuesday. Maybe. I don't know. Possibly a special guest on Tuesday. No Dunks. Who knows? Um, also, make sure you check out The Restricted Area, our YouTube show from the Athletics YouTube channel with myself and Wazdeen Lambre. Uh, fun little 10 minutes every week for you coming out on Thursdays. Uh, make sure you check out the rest of the Athletic NBA show throughout the week. Uh, obviously basket buzz today we got tampering on tuesday hoops adjacent on wednesday point of contention on thursday nurse she wrote on friday make sure you check out the daily ding all the team specific shows subscribe rate review unsubscribe resubscribe do all that algorithm finagling and make sure that uh that you're supporting the athletic and subscribe to the athletic uh get you a subscription and make sure you're checking out the best coverage of sports on the internet for Trevon Edwards, Wazi Lambert, Mike Smeltz, Jade Hoy. I'm Zach Harper. Keep it locked on the athletic podcast network.